Merry Christmas Eve morning to you all. So glad to be here with you all. If, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my, my name is Pastor John, and I'm the campus pastor here at Bridge City Church, North Braddock, and I just want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a prosperous New Year. You know, you never know what to expect um, on a Sunday morning, especially when, like last year, Christmas was Sunday morning, or Christmas Eve is a Sunday morning, especially when you have an amazing Christmas Eve candlelight service, I'm sorry, a Christmas Eve Eve candlelight service the night before, and you never really know uh, what to expect on, on a Sunday morning like this, and so it is truly an honor and a privilege to be with you and, and that you would take some time out of your incredibly busy schedule, I'm certain, not just to spend it here with us, but to spend it with Jesus. Now, before we get into the, to the message today, I just want to let you know of a, of a couple of great things that are happening. First and foremost, if this is your first time here worshiping with us, we want to welcome you and thank you once again for being with us. And you, you should have received a little blue connection card when you came in. If you didn't, that's totally okay. We've got tons of them back at our connection point. See how that works? Connection card, connection point. And if this is your first time worshiping with us in person, we would just love it if you would fill this out, take it back to our connection point. We've got a little gift we want to give you. It's not just a Christmas gift. We do this every Sunday, but it's a little gift. It's a, a tumbler that you see there on the screen behind me, just as our way of saying thanks for spending some time with us here. And um, we, we, we've got an amazing uh, week ahead of us. We've got Christmas tomorrow and then next Sunday morning, we're going to be here for our normal worship experience, 10 a.m., but the thing I want to really invite you and to encourage you to invite all of your family and friends to is that evening, next Sunday evening at 6 p.m., all four of our locations are going to be meeting here for a New Year's Eve worship night. And we are just going to close out 2023 and enter into 2024 just worshiping our Lord and Savior. We're going to be celebrating the Lord's table, having communion. We're going to be doing water baptisms. And right now we almost have 20 people signed up for water baptisms. And so we're actually going to be having dueling baptismal tanks going. We'll have a portable one set up here. We'll have our built-in one set up there. And it's just going to be an amazing time. And, and so we want to invite you to come on uh, out that next Sunday evening at 6 p.m. And if you're able to make it, and we hope that you are, we are doing a food drive that day. So we're encouraging all attendees to bring non-perishable food items still in their original wrappings. Like, like don't bring that, that leftover cranberry stuff you didn't use for Thanksgiving, okay? Like, 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 like I'm sure your fruitcake is delicious, but we need it to be in a factory sealed box, okay? Because we're going to take those food items and distribute them at our food bank that operates the first and third Saturdays of each and every month. And so if you or someone you know needs help with food items, we're here from 9 to 11 a.m. on the first 
and third Saturdays of every month. And so uh, we would love if you would bring some of your items and donate them. We're gonna have a big old bin at our main entrance there to gather them so we can give that away. And then lastly, on that New Year's Eve night, not only are we asking you to bring food, see, we, we like reciprocity. We're actually gonna be giving you food at the end because New Year's Eve ain't New Year's Eve without sauerkraut in that. You know what I mean? So if yins come out next Sunday morning, or I'm sorry, Sunday night, we'll put a chair out in the lot to save you a spot. But we're going to be serving a Pittsburgh favorite, kielbasa and sauerkraut and hot dogs after the worship experience where it's just going to be an amazing, amazing time. So come on out. Next Sunday morning, 10 a.m., regular worship experience, but worship night, 6 p.m., right here. You don't want to miss it. All right. Well, this morning, God put a message on my heart, kind of changed what I was originally going to prepare late last night. That kind of happens when you get home late after a wonderful candlelight service, and you go out and have a late dinner, and you just, uh, you, you just, God starts speaking to you. And so, this morning, I want to share with you a message that, that I'm calling, Do You See What He Sees? Do you see what he sees? You know, there's, that's one of those, I love, I love Christmas carols. I love how uh, uh, Eric, our worship leader, said, said, let's get ready to sing some Christmas carols. I don't know if you caught it, but, but the best Christmas carols are worship hymns. And so there's, there's that Christmas song, do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? A child, a child sleeping, you know, all of those things. But today I want to talk about, do you see what he sees? And I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the book of Luke chapter two. And we're actually going to be picking up in the 22nd verse of Luke 22. It's right on the tail end of the very famous Christmas portion of Luke 2. And though it's not a traditional part of the Christmas story, it's only eight days removed from the Christmas story. And I just want to share some encouragements and challenges as we get ready to to hit Christmas Day tomorrow and get ready for the new year. So Luke chapter 2 Verse 22 says, and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And so the there there is Mary and Joseph, the time of their purification. And you might say, well, what, what, what purification? What, what, I don't understand what's going on. Well, in the Mosaic law in Leviticus, There are 613 uh, legal and civil codes that the the Jewish people were to follow, the Israelites were to follow. And Jesus and Mary and Joseph being Jews, they're following this law. And the law that they're following there is that a woman, after having a child, was uh, ritually unclean, if you will. Not that she was dirty or nasty, but... Uh, because she had shed blood in the childbirth, she was not able to go and worship at the temple for a period of, of, of seven days. And another one of those laws was that, was that when a boy was born, he was to be circumcised, 
which was the covenant that God gave Abraham, the father of the Jews. He gave Abraham this covenant way back in Genesis 17 of circumcision. And so boys were to be circumcised eight days after they're born. And Jesus being a Jewish boy and his parents being Jewish people, they're following this religious law. And and when it says to present him, they're talking about Jesus, to present him to the Lord. And back then, even though Jesus is Lord, they were still following what they understood at that time that God's presence was in the temple of God in Jerusalem. So Jesus is born in Bethlehem. He's born in the stable. Bethlehem's about five miles to the southeast of Jerusalem. They're originally from Nazareth, which is about 70 or 80 miles north of Jerusalem. So they wait in Bethlehem for eight days so they can take Jesus to the temple to do what the law tells them to do. And that's, that's where we're picking this up right here. So this is, this is right after Jesus' birth. And that's what verse 23 tells us. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And they were to offer a sacrifice. So, so to worship God, you had to bring sacrifices to the temple. You, you just didn't appear before God empty-handed. And so the sacrifice for their purification is a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, that kind of gives us an insight into the socioeconomic status of Jesus. Many people don't realize this, but Jesus being the only human, fully God, fully man, but the only person who's ever been born that got to choose the when, the where, and the how of their birth, he didn't choose to be born in a palace or uh, in a mansion or with parents of great wealth. Actually, because of this offering that they're bringing, the pigeons or turtle doves, that lets us know that, that his parents were pretty poor. Because that was the offering that poor people could bring to the Lord. Because God doesn't ask us for what we don't have. And so we see this here. They're going up. And and, and one of the things that I want us to catch out of this is... You know, Christmas, there's a lot of hype and hoopla that gets, goes into this. I don't know if you've noticed it at all, maybe in your life. Christmas is kind of a big deal, isn't it? Even for people that don't know and don't worship Jesus, Christmas is a big deal. It brings a lot of stress. Parents and loved ones, there's all of this pressure to get people stuff, and then there's all this pressure and hope that they like it, and all of this, I gotta have food, I gotta get the house ready, gotta get the decorations up. And so there's all this hype and all this hoopla, but we see that this story is taking place after all of the hype and hoopla is over, And Mary and Joseph have to get back to business as usual, regular, ordinary, everyday life. See, and that's how it is for a lot of us. A lot of us, we look for those high moments, right? We look for those big mountaintop experiences where everything's great and everything builds up to this great moment. Maybe it's a wedding, maybe it's a birth, maybe it's a new job. But but the reality of it is most of us live in that mundane normal and we've got to get used to it because this is where the enemy loves to swoop in and say, see, that big thing God did in your life, that wasn't real. That wasn't significant. And so as we prepare to enter into 2024 and we're going to have the big hype and hoopla of a worship night and people getting baptized, we want to remember 
to not let the mundane day-to-day drudgery of life rob us of the awareness of the presence of God. Don't let the high moments fade and when you get into regular life feel like, did God really do it? Is God really there? Can I tell you something this morning? He is there. He's always there. He is always there. Even more when you don't feel him. But the question is, will we notice and recognize him when he is there? Verse 25 of Luke chapter 2, story goes on. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. This was a good dude. Man, this was a godly man. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That that word consolation there in the Greek, it's paraklesis. It's a very similar word to a word that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. It means someone who comes alongside to comfort and help and to support. So, so this guy, Simeon, this righteous and devout guy, he's, he's been waiting for God to come alongside Israel to give help and support because stuff was, was tricky in Israel. They were under Roman oppression. It seemed like all of the promises of God were never going to be completed. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that in your life where you feel like God has given you a promise or you feel like you've, you've gone to church and you've been the righteous and devout person, you've done the good thing, you've been a good boy or girl, and you're wondering, when is God going to come alongside and help me and comfort me and give me some support? Well, today this message is for you because we see this guy, Simeon, he's there waiting for the consolation of Israel and watch this, the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, I don't know when the Holy Spirit revealed this to Simeon. My guess is that the Holy Spirit revealed this to Simeon probably many years before we meet him here in Luke chapter 2. I believe that this was a promise that God had given Simeon through his Holy Spirit that said, don't worry, Simeon, you're not going to die until you see the Lord's Christ, because this was what every righteous and devout Jew was waiting for. They were waiting for Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you just feel like, man, I'm just waiting for Jesus to show up. God told me Jesus was gonna show up. God told me he wasn't gonna leave me in this state. God promised me that he was gonna bring these people into my life or take these people out of my life or take this sin out of my life or bring I'm waiting for God. And Simeon, for years, I believe, has been waiting on the promise of God that he would see the Lord's Christ. But just like Mary and Joseph are in their mundane, everyday life, how hard would that have been to have the star and the shepherds and all of the supernatural things that we celebrate at Christmas? How hard would it have been to go through that night and have all of those amazing things go on and then wake up the next day and you're just back to being an ordinary person? But that's where Mary and Joseph were. And they're back into their ordinary drudgery of life. And that's where Simeon was. He's back in his, he's just in his ordinary day-to-day thing waiting on the promise of God. But see, that's the key. We cannot miss the opportunity because God is always working in it. It's in the ordinary and in the mundane. The God will fulfill his promises in our lives 
And that's why it says in verse 27 of Luke 2, and he, Simeon, came in the Spirit. So he's being led by the Holy Spirit now into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, just a young family trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do next, and an old guy just waiting for years for God to do something, and they're just in their normal, everyday life, and something supernatural happens. And verse 28 says, and Simeon took him, Jesus, up in his arms, and he blessed God. And he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. No, I don't know. Your, your Bible might have it in some weird indentations there. And that's because it was most likely, he, he actually was singing a song. He saw little baby Jesus. Really at that moment, little nobody Jesus and his little nobody parents, his little poor nobody parents. But because he was in the spirit, he was able to break into praise because he saw Jesus. Verse 33 and his father, Joseph, and his mother, Mary, marveled at what was said about him. That marveled there isn't necessarily like, oh, isn't that so nice that he said it? That marveled is like, dude, what are you talking about? We're poor. We don't know, we don't know what we're doing next. And Simeon blessed them. And said to his mother Mary, behold, this child is appointed for the rise and fall of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. I mean, nobody wants that prophetic word at the prophetic meeting. Everyone, God's going to bless you. He's going to bring the Boaz into your life, sister. I can see him right now. All oh, financial breakthrough is on the way. And <laughs> we want that word. We don't want... Hey, your son's going to cause a lot of problems, and he's going to be opposed. Jesus was born to my family. That would have been a given. And he said, a sword will pierce through your own soul, too. Oh, thanks. Good word, Simeon. Real encouraging. Don't you know it's Christmas still? Thanks for the nice word there, Simeon. So that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So why am I sharing this passage of scripture with you today? I'm sharing it with you because I wanna remind you of three things, challenge you, encourage you. As this Christmas season comes and goes, and as New Year's comes and goes, and in the highs and the lows comes and goes, to remind you that in the mundane and ordinary and average that you won't miss what God is doing in your life to remind you to see what he sees. And so the first encouragement from our text is don't allow delay to develop into disappointment. Don't allow God's delay to develop into disappointment. There, there's, a, there's a 
well-known church cliche that's out there now, delay does not mean denial. But see, because we're fickle and we're weak and we're naturally anxious and frantic, we're all, let's be honest, we're all like cats. See, some of us, I got that dog in me. No, you're a cat. You're finicky. You like to do your own thing until you need something from someone else. Then you come over and you start, you do a little thing. We're finicky. We're anxious. We want to be left alone. And so we, we get into these places where we have a promise from God, where we come to a church setting and we hear that God has better for me, God has blessing for me, God has more for me. And we look around and you say, you mean me, me? Because I don't see it. Or God, I've been faithful and devout and I've been waiting for years to see this thing that you've promised and I don't see it right now. That's why the first thing that we have to remember is that not to let God's delay to develop into disappointment. Could you imagine how crappy this story would have been if Simeon had allowed that to happen? Uh, just walking around the temple and just, God's promise and retirement. I've been faithful. I've been devout. I not only tithe, but I give to the one vision. I show up early to serve. That would have been a crappy story. But that's not the story that we got. Why? Because Simeon didn't allow his God's delay to develop into disappointment. See, and a lot of times in our lives, <laughs> if we're not careful, that's what will happen. You know, if I was to move a joint out of place, that would be disjointed, right? See, and you could make the case that to be disappointed just means that your appointment has been moved out of place. But the question is, who moved? God is faithful. God is true. God is the rock that does not move. And so we can't allow ourselves to get flighty and fickle and allow delays to produce disappointments because the disappointment leads us out of his appointment. The second thing that I want to encourage us this Christmas Eve morning is don't allow the uncertainty of the actual to deter or distract from the certainty of the promise. Because waiting can produce uncertainty. Last night I talked a little bit about it, talking about light and darkness. And see, there are times when we're trapped in darkness. And the only thing that's more disheartening than being trapped in darkness is the promise of light that hasn't come yet. And because we're finicky and because we're human, we, we, we are often governed by what we see and what's going on around us. And the actuality and reality of what we're experiencing, we will allow it to dictate what God has promised to us instead of reversing that. 
See, because you might be here today and you're struggling with something. Maybe it's a physical infirmity. Maybe it's something going on in your family. Maybe it's a financial difficulty. Maybe it's anything under the sun. And you look at your bank book. You look at your doctor's report. You look at what's going on in someone else's life. And you're wondering, how is this ever going to happen? God promised me this, but look at what's happening. See, we can't allow the uncertainty of what we're actually seeing to distract us from the certainty of what God actually promised because Simeon didn't. Simeon didn't allow this to get in the way because we're so prone to say, did I miss God? Or, or, or worse yet, did God miss me? See, the toughest thing about trusting the promises of God is that they are often counter to or opposite to what we actually see in the natural. You know why God's promises actually seem to be so far afield from what we see in the natural? It's because God's promises aren't natural, they're supernatural. See, and maybe you're here today, and look, look, we're not denying, look, faith does not deny the reality of the problem. Faith denies the problem a place of influence in our life. Because the reality is not our set. The promises of God is our set. And so when you're feeling the pain, when you're, when you're wondering what's going on in the world around you, that's when you have to go into God's word and default to the promises of God and not let your natural and physical circumstances dictate to you what God has promised. But I'll even go the next step and say, you begin to start speaking, allowing the promises of God to dictate to your natural circumstances. That sounds like some believe it and receive it, blab it, grab it stuff. Well, you know what? Just because people have perverted those realities doesn't mean that it's not biblical realities. God speaks to the things that are not and calls them as though they are, Romans chapter four. See, see we're here because God saw a chaotic void of darkness. Read Genesis one. And then God said something. He said, let there be light. And guess what happened? Light. See, and it's funny because doubt is a part of God's image and nature. And I believe that God distributes to a degree that same ability in our own lives. Because you just go over to Genesis chapter 2, God's made everything. But, but now the Bible says that God brings all of the animals and things that he had, he had created to Adam to name them. And this is what the Bible says. Whatever Adam called it, that's what it was. When you look at the circumstances in your life, if you're calling it a chaos, if you're calling it a tragedy, then that's what it's going to be. But I want to dare you and challenge you as we enter into 2024 to look at the circumstances in your life and call the things that are not as though they were and say, that's just a place for God to move. That's just a place for God to move. Oh, that's just, look, because every test becomes a testimony. Every mess becomes a message in our life. But you got to say it. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says this, we believe, therefore we spoke. What do you believe? Do you believe that God is in control? Do you believe that he is the healer? Do you believe that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills? 
Do you believe that he'll never leave you or forsake you? If that's what you believe, then speak. And it may not change your circumstance. I'll be honest with you because that's, some people say I tried it and it didn't work for me. Because here's the thing, it may or may not change your circumstance, but one thing I can guarantee you that it will change is you in the midst of your circumstance. And really, I think that's what God is looking for. Sometimes I believe God doesn't want to pull you out of the natural tragedy that you see with your eye. He wants to change you in the midst of it so that people can look and see how on earth are you standing when that should have knocked you down. Because then guess what? He gets the glory. Because here's something that I see in the world a lot of times when God does move and change our circumstances. We're prone to say it's because I'm blessed. But rarely do we point to the one who did the blessing. See, God wants us to point to him. God wants us to point to him. You know, we talked about light and darkness yesterday. We didn't get a chance, but one of my favorite stories is the story of the Magi, the wise men from the East, right? There was more than three, by the way. We think there were three because there was three gifts mentioned, but the Bible never says there was three. And I'm sorry, it doesn't matter what your your neighbor's plastic light-up nativity says, it wasn't a white guy, a black guy, and an oriental guy. Just wasn't. They were Persians, modern-day Iraqis. They were astrologers, which to us today, because we're so scientific, we think, well, they were just kind of mystical people. Well, back then, these were the intellectuals of the day. They had studied the scriptures that were left behind in Persia after it was taken, after it took over Babylon. The same scriptures that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego left there. They studied them, and that's how they were able to determine what God was doing, even though the star above God's people couldn't figure out why it was there. But the fascinating thing about the star and how we see Jesus is this you can only see stars at night. And maybe you're here today and you feel like you are trapped in deep darkness. That's only so that you can focus on the brightness and glory of God that is contrasting in the darkness of your situation. But don't allow the uncertainty of the actual to deter the certainty of the promise. Don't allow it. Last but not least, and I'll have Caden come up, and we'll just, we'll just play some music. And I'd like, if, 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 if you'd like prayer, I'd like to pray for you. If you'd like to go home and get, get on with Christmas, we, you'd do that too. See, because Simeon didn't allow these things to creep into his life. He didn't allow the delay to develop into disappointment. He didn't allow the uncertainty of the actual to deter the certainty of the promise. But what he did do was he accepted in infancy what he desired in maturity. Say, what does that mean? Well, sometimes, And if I can be so bold as to say it like this, more often than not, God will promise us something or show us something by the Spirit. 
Now that can be through a dream. That can be through a vision. I believe in that. That can be through just you reading through the word. That could be through him sending somebody to you that has like a word of knowledge or a prophetic word for you. Or it could just be a still small voice in your heart. But see, God will promise us things and show us things, but he usually shows them to us in full bloom. He usually shows us the end result. And more often than not, after he shows us a thing in full bloom, you know what he gives us? A seed and a shovel. He'll show you a relationship that you're longing to have. You might even see the wedding day. Oh, it's amazing. Oh. But then he says, okay, now we're going to work on you. Because I, I got your Mr. or Mrs. Right, but I need you to be their Mr. or Mrs. Right. Maybe he shows you a job or like this, this amazing vision for something new, an invention, something like that. And you're like, this is amazing. This is God. And you want to run and tell everybody, whoa, man, this is what God is going to do. I've seen it so many times. God's doing this. He's going to do it. But then you know what happens? <laughs> he shows you a job. But then he gives you an application online. <laughs> he promises you money and he gives you overtime at work. <laughs> but see, we have to be like Simeon, who was willing and able to accept in infancy the thing that God had promised him and showed him in maturity. Jesus was an eight-day-old baby. I you to think about that for a minute. Simeon didn't see the glorious ruler seated on David's eternal throne. He, he saw a baby that, that, that probably had a poopy diaper. I mean, let's be honest. Like, like, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright is a lie. Jesus was a baby sleeping on hay. Any parent in here knows they are not silent nights, especially when you're in a barn. And let's be honest, it's eight days after that. There's no biblical indication that they spent the, the seven days between the birth and now not in the barn. But Simeon walks in because he's a man of the spirit, because he's a man that is willing to accept something in its infancy that God showed him in its maturity. And he was able to look at a little tiny baby and say, this is the Lord's Christ. This is the salvation of Israel. And so the question that I have for you this morning is this, can you embrace the fruit in seed form? God's promised you fruit, but he's given you seed in a shovel. Can you call it what it is before it is what you want it to be? Can you do that? See, and I believe most, if not all, of us in this room right now can do it, but a lot of us, we've never tried to do it because it, it sounds too good to be true. 
sounds spooky, or even more so, some of us have tried it, but we allowed delay to create disappointment and we stopped. Well, this Christmas season, this end of year season, can I encourage you, challenge you to not let delay become disappointment? To not let what you see dictate what God promised you and encourage you to accept in its infancy what God has promised you in maturity. Simeon accepted what he had heard from God by the Spirit and responded by faith when he saw it in its early and initial form. What kind of faith does it take to look at a baby with two poor, raggedy, wore-out parents and say, this is the Lord's Christ? It's the same faith that each and every one of us has to take and employ to see the Jesus that we have not seen as the Lord's Christ. And say, God, I don't know, but I trust you. I trust you. Can we hear from God, receive what he says, and respond in faith when we see it before it's completed? Jesus' appearance as a baby was good enough for Simeon, who would not live to see what was promised. But see, it reminds me of how in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, that talks about how God had showed Abraham a city and Abraham received it even though he never had it. And so today as we wrap up and we just get ready to pray, I just wanna read something that God shared with me a little over a year ago. I was in here worshiping. It was about four or five days before our son Tobias was born. And I just felt, maybe it's what Simeon felt like. I felt led of the Lord. It was a Tuesday morning to just come into this place and put worship music on my phone and my earbuds in and worship the Lord and pray. So I did that for over an hour. I, I lost track of time. And November 15th, three days before Tobias was born, because I texted it to Royanne and Lindsay and Pastor Tom, our prophetic team leaders, and this is what I wrote. I feel like I heard the Lord say, who will be the cloud the size of a man's hand that will go before me and signal that the outpouring is imminent? Is it too small a thing for me to send breakthrough? Is it too great a thing to ask for sacrifice? Can you celebrate the outpouring when it's just a trickle? Can you dance in the river when it's only ankle deep? That's referring to Elijah in 1 Kings 18 where it hadn't rained for three and a half years. It was a drought. Maybe you feel like you're in a drought season. And he did battle with the prophets that stood against God and he overcame them. Not all by himself, but 
You plus God is greater than any force on planet Earth. And the Bible says, after a three and a half year drought in a desert country, that Elijah the prophet, this is what he says. He says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. See, because more often than not, you will see it or hear it before it appears. And what you see or hear will actually contradict what you're seeing and hearing in the natural because it was a drought. But Elijah heard the sound of the abundance of rain. And the next thing Elijah did is the Bible says he got down on his hands and knees in a fetal position and he began to pray. And they were on a mountaintop. And so he sent his servant. He said, go and look off of the mountaintop towards the sea and see if there's any rain that's coming. And he sent his servant, his servant came back and his servant came back and said, I don't see anything. He sent him again, he sent him again. Seven times he sent the servant to go and look. And on the seventh time the servant comes back and he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's fist. And the Bible says Elijah sprung up tucked in his garments because they wore those flowing robes, but he tucked in his garments. He tightened up his clothes because he was getting ready to run and he began to run. And the Bible says at that moment, heaven opened up and the first rain for three and a half years happened. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Can you hear it before you see it? And when you see it in its small form, can you believe that it's the thing you're longing for? And can you not only prepare yourself to run ahead of it so that you are running when it comes? Anybody that's ever watched a relay race knows the runner starts running before they get the thing they're supposed to run with. Oh, that's tweetable. But can you understand? See, because here's the thing. I don't believe that the cloud was just a tiny cloud the size of a man's hand. I believe the cloud at the time the servant saw it was a far, far, far way away. And so it looked smaller than it actually was. And so as we transition on a calendar from 2023 to 2024, can you believe that the thing that looks far away, God can transcend time and make it show up in power before you're even ready for? And can you pray until it comes to pass? Heavenly Father, I just thank you today for your people. And right now, Lord God, I'm believing that all across this room, Lord God, you are bringing to remembrance promises. You're showing things to people even right now. Lord, you're dusting things off. Things that people had had dreams and hopes that they had maybe had for many, many years and they, they, they put on a shelf in the garage because it felt like nothing was happening. And God, right now, you're, you're dusting it off and you're bringing it back to their remembrance and saying, don't let my delay produce a disappointment. God, right now, all across this room, I I, I release supernatural favor not to receive the thing, but to see the thing before they receive it, to accept it in the small way, the cloud the size of a man's hand, a river that's only an ankle deep. Right now, Lord God, I'm releasing faith across this place, Lord God, for for relationships, for finances, for, for secret and hidden dreams, things that you wanted to do and 
you just thought it was, it was just, it was bad pizza the night before. No, no, it was God planning something in your spirit to do for his glory and honor. And I release the faith to believe for that once again. And I just release faith all around this room right now, Lord God, to believe for the impossible again. Faith to not be locked in to what we see because we walk not by sight but by faith. And Lord, I just bless these people and every people that they come into contact with this Christmas season, not just with joy and happiness and holiday spirit, but with the Holy Spirit of God. And that as they go on about their day, today, tomorrow, next week, that they would have Holy Spirit encounters. Mary and Joseph didn't expect to encounter Simeon. And Simeon honestly didn't expect to encounter Mary and Joseph. But it wasn't about Mary and Joseph and it wasn't about Simeon. It was about the one that brought them together, your son Jesus. And I pray right now that we will bring Jesus to people this holiday season. God, bless your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And thank you guys so much. I truly do pray that you have an...